My name is Michael Markarian, and my family business is a packaging company that serves top brands all over the world. There's no debate that some packaging is harming nature and polluting our cities, and something needs to change. My goal is to show you that sustainable options exist and how you can implement them right now. This is the Sustainable Packaging Show. Welcome back to the Sustainable Packaging Show podcast. I have a new guest on the set. Raphael, thank you very much for joining me on the show. Thank you. It's, it's absolutely, it's a true honor to be here. I'm very grateful. It's exciting. Thank you. Thank you very much. So Raph is a member of our sustainability team. And I think what you're all going to enjoy about Raph is, I'll give you a compliment right off the get-go, the sheer brain power, the analytical mind. Now I'm giving you big shoes to fill. But he really, the reason he is such a key member of our team is he truly embodies that mindset of not greenwashing, but really thinking through what's good for the planet. And Raph spent a lot of time on the state of New York. And I want to bring you guys an update on the state of New York as it relates to sustainable packaging, because New York is one of the, the initial cannabis states that's putting in language in their regs about sustainable packaging. So we're going to do a quick three-part series. We're going to keep it quick, but I want to cover three things. Number one is education. So what do the regs actually say as it relates to sustainability? Part two is going to be innovations. We're going to show you options by Contemple Specialty Packaging that meet those regs. So you have real examples to look at. And then part three is a little bit of inspiration or action section where we're going to really talk to you about why you should do this now. Because as we're going to talk about, there's a little grace period that the state has put in place. And we're saying, you know, yes, you can use the grace period, but why wait? So we ready to do this, Raph? Ready. Let's make this happen. I think your voice sounds better than mine, too, in the microphone. <laughs> we'll that. You know, that's all right. Can't, can't win them all. So let's talk first about the regs as they relate to sustainability. So New York State, they're saying sustainable packaging is, and they put some things in writing. So what are, what are, what are the regs actually say as it relates to sustainable packaging? So I think that the, the first one that, that, that we all need to be, be aware of is that starting when, when you submit an application and for approval, you have to demonstrate that for single-use plastics, within one year, those single-use plastic packaging objects will have a minimum of 25% post-consumer recycled content. Okay, so 25% minimum. You said two things there, 25% minimum. And second is within one year. So are they putting in place, it sounds like a grace period. So applicants or license holders don't have to apply, don't have to do this right away. They have a little time. That's right. Okay. So, so when would that begin? When would the license holders actually have to move to that 25% threshold recycled content in their single use plastics? Let, let's assume that, that a license is granted on, on January 1st of 2023, which, which is going to happen. It's already in the works. December or January 1st of next year. Okay, so 2024. Four, so right. early 24, this is being put in place. What are your thoughts on providing that grace period? Because in my mind, I, I like hearing that because that's a thoughtful regulating body that doesn't want to cripple their operators. So in one sense, I think that's phenomenal. And, and I think that's going to serve the state well that people are thinking that way. But the other side of it is... That is sort of a not the hardest bar in the world to meet, right? Twenty five percent recycled content. Yes, it's not as readily available as you know virgin plastic pop tops, but it's not like it's saying everything has to be hemp and you have a year. So, do you feel that grace period is a good thing? Do you feel like it's necessary? 
Do you have an opinion on that, Raf? Well, I'm of the mindset that 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 what New York is doing, what the OCM is doing, um, especially with with the partnership with Cannabis Association of New York, their focus on sustainability and their element of having some adaptability into it is actually remarkable. And so this I think one of the biggest impediments that we find is, is education. So this will allow license holders to have some time to be aware and learn about all the different options. Awesome. And I like that mindset too, right? Because then you, it just makes it less stressful for people. It's not unnecessary stress. And I think it also creates the opportunity for, and we'll get into this in the action section where the people, I can't help myself, Raph, I got to jump right to it. The people that take action can get credit from consumers. And they're going to say, those are the brands that went sustainable first before they had to. If you're a brand that goes sustainable before the regs require it, you actually care and you're making a statement in doing that. So I feel like that's a great marketing strategy. What else besides, so you get the one year uh, window, we'll call it 25% minimum uh, post-consumer recycled product or, or recycled content. Do you know if it's PCR post-consumer or is it just recycled content in general? Does Do the regs say? PCR. PCR. So post-consumer as opposed to post-industrial is going to be recycled content from businesses. Post-consumer means it, it went through a consumer before being recycled. Okay. So any other regs besides those two as it relates to sustainable? I know there's other things about neon colors and no cartoons and this stuff that we typically see in regs in other states. I think that there are two that really jump out. Um, the first one is that on-premises, every license holder, a retail dispensary, a location has to have documentation attesting to the sustainability of their packaging. Wow, and and the interesting thing is is that there there's not an established framework yet. So so that that's we're, we're I there's no true clear pattern of what that is, and and license holders are going to have that option in terms of what they want to do. Interesting. I wonder what a plan. Actually, it sounds like you had another one. Then I'll give my comment. So finish your statement. And and I think the the really I think this is actually the biggest one of them all is that starting in the beginning of 2024. There's as part of the regulations, which are still being formed, and this is really important because nothing is set in stone. There has to be in place a plan to reuse packaging on premises or with with established supply chain partner. Wow. So 24, we're talking about reusability and 23, we're talking about the 25% PCR and we're talking about the plan, the sustainability plan on the premises. Does that, and I know you said it's not defined, but maybe it's when am I going to get to 25% and what am I going to be doing with my reusability? And maybe that's the, the what the plans will be. Do you, have any, do you have any creative thoughts or ideas on what, what you would do as a sustainability plan if you were in the shoes of a license holder? Well, what, what I think, um, what I would recommend, and when we have conversations, this, uh, I'm pretty candid about this, is I, I think the important thing is actually to start now and actually be ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. So e- even though maybe 25% PCR, aim a little higher um, because the, you want to have that flexibility and, I, and the regulations can change. And I think it's really important to already start now to build out your sustainability packaging plan and be rather vocal about it because my experience and the evidence backs it up is that sustainability actually can be a, a, a competitive advantage. Absolutely. Absolutely. So one other question, I'm putting myself in the shoes of a license holder in the state of New York, and they probably know this better than I do, but I would still have this question is as far as 
those are the we, we just laid out, I think very clearly, thank you, what those what the regs are today. How likely is that to possibly change? And I know that these things change frequently. Like, do you think you definitely will need the sustainable packaging plan and you definitely will need the reusability plan going into twenty four? Or are these sort of guidelines that are that are subject to change or likely to change? Can you comment on how likely this is to change? So the public commenting period has come and gone. And given what I know about recent comments, there was an, there was a, an OCM meeting a couple of days ago. I don't think we're going to see significant change, um, but I will throw out one curveball. Um, if I were to guess, I'd say over time, and this might this might kind of divert our conversation a little bit. Let's I, do it. I, I think what we may see is that the child resistant requirements for dried flower packaging will go away and it won't be needed. Like in the state of Michigan. I think yeah. I think if you look at flour as a product, you're looking at, you know, CR is all about mitigating risk and the risk of dry flour is certainly infinitely less than inedible or certain other products. You could say it's nothing, but we'll just say it's drastically less. So I wouldn't be surprised by that uh, that either. If you're looking for sustainable packaging in the cannabis industry, email wow at contempopackaging.com. Let's talk before we wrap up this episode about reuse and the reuse model, because that's really exciting. And I think the other stuff is pretty self-explanatory. If you have questions, if you're in New York, you want help with your sustainable packaging, email wow, W-O-W at contempopackaging.com. We'll hop right on there. We'll get this uh, this very smart man on the phone with you to drop some <laughs> some knowledge and uh, and insight because he's very uh, passionate about the state of New York in particular, which is wonderful. Let's talk about the reuse model. How does okay? So what are the what? Why does reuse sometimes not happen? In my mind, and, and I'll give you my list, and then you tell me what you think, and then we'll talk about how New York's going to overcome this. In my mind, I've heard things like. You know, is it really sanitary to sanitize? That's that, that's the thing. Is there infrastructure available to sanitize? And then I've also heard things like, okay, sanitation is often in different states. So maybe this, if the sanitation is not in the state of New York, and let's say there's a great sanitation plant in New Jersey. Now, everything's in New York, so maybe it's not an issue, but it's in a neighboring state. And there's too much risk to drive the packaging over the border into another state because maybe there's, you know, small amounts of residue of the product. And now because of the, the absolute joke that cannabis is a schedule one narcotic, you've now done something very, uh, very bad from a legal perspective. So those are sort of my reasons as I see it, why the reuse model hasn't taken off. Would you add anything? Do you think those three are, are the main reasons? I, I think there's some question about the standardization of of, of um, reusability, um, and I, I'm, if we have time, I actually have a bit of a, a news announcement on that. Um, so standardization, <clears throat> and then of course there's the interstate transportation of of anything with with THC, and then the the who's going to test, who's going to be able to come in and say we're actually really confident that this package which was reused and, and was, is fully cleaned, and there's no residue left. So those those are the biggest issues, right? And then as far as cleaning, is New York thinking? Are there lots of sanitation uh, plants and facilities in the state of New York, or are we thinking this might be as simple as 
like renting space from a from a local restaurant I heard from somebody, let them wash it for you with the mindset, hey, if someone eats on a plate and then it goes to the dishwasher and then you eat off that same plate about an hour later, so sanitation seems to work there. Um, I've heard that logic. So do, do you have a picture of how this sanitation would work or how it's proposed to work? Or is that, I mean, is that why we're giving it a couple of years? Because we have some details to figure out. Definitely in the, in the latter part of that, um, it hasn't been determined yet, but so far the regs are, are going in the direction of having it be on-premises. So, on-premises. Yeah. So you'd have to buy your own dishwashing right. uh, equipment, sterilization equipment, because I think that's better regulated, right? Because then someone can come in and they can test and they can evaluate if your um, if your infrastructure is good and if it's working properly and here's a thousand, let me test 10 and let me swab it and, and test it from there. Um, so very interesting stuff. Anything else we miss? Mm-hmm. I think this is incredibly informative. I don't want it to go too long to be info overload, but any other points on the state of New York and what the regs say about sustainable packaging? Yes. And with it, I'd like, we might be that this might be the, the first announcement on this. Um, let's hear it. And, and part of our research, we frequently, actually, it's on a weekly basis, we speak with, with various um, MRFs, materials recycling facilities around the state of New York. And one of the biggest challenges revolves around black plastic. And up until very recently, and as a matter of fact, as of August of this year in Manhattan, in the past, black packaging, black plastic packaging was not recyclable. People are saying, why? How? Why does the color stop it from being recyclable if the material's the same? Why does the color affect it, Ref? And the reason is that the, the MRFs use IRS infrared scanners, and the infrared can't pick up black. And so as a result of it, it's automatically kicked out, and then it goes to landfill. So in the MRF, you're basically sorting different packaging materials. You have metal... You have board, you have plastic coming into the MRF, and then the MRF uses different technology, including human beings, if they're a technology, to sort it. And the black plastic historically has been very difficult for the MRFs to handle. I remember in Canada, I talked to some people and they they were facing the same problem. We say Canada, like it's a state, a certain area of Canada. And in this area, it was the, the conveyor belts, the black conveyor belts, with the black plastic on top of it, it was blending in. So perhaps it's related or a different reason, but the same the same outcome. So has something changed in New York State around that? It has. And this is actually a really big deal because um, most people, when, when the, one of the more common items that we see are obviously these pre-roll tubes. Mm-hmm. And black is a really popular color. Um, and and you, there's, there's so much you can do in terms of marketing um, and labeling. And so as of August of this year, the primary MRF for New York that handles 100% of their recycling installed a new scanner, which can detect black polypropylene. That's a big deal. It's it's a big deal. That's a big deal. Because think about how much black plastic right now is going to landfill because consumers don't know any better and they they recycle it. That's actually something that I've heard and learned and... I think it changes by MRF. Maybe in Rhode Island they can handle it, and certain places they can't. So, black plastic in a huge population area is that is that Manhattan or is that across the whole state? Great question. Um, it is the to what I know to the extent that I know. Um, the one in in New York is the first, 
but the plan is for there to be a complete rollout within three to five years okay, across good. the state. So this is where it's one of those challenges where, where if you're a brand and you're going to be packaging, let's say you have multiple locations, which is New, is New York allowing multiple dispensary locations or is that is that is that coming later maybe like someone in like Massachusetts they have a cap of 3 locations right okay right. so you can do 3 as well so if you're if you're situated in 3 different areas of New York maybe the the murf that your packaging goes to is going to be different as well but that's that's maybe taking it to the next level of complication and that could lead to analysis paralysis we hope that more people step up like this murf did in New York and invest in the technology and then everything becomes easier and i think we can reasonably predict that'll happen over time um close us out raf anything else on this before we move to the next section which is going to be innovation specific options that are going to be new york compliant anything else here or do you think we've given a good enough summary i i think the other thing to consider is that expect to see more integration of technology and qr codes in particular um where a consumer can then gain transparency to the actual source the beginning of life of that product and I'm really excited because we can do that um, with, with for, for example, our ocean-bound plastic. So I think we're going to see more and more of that, and I think it's really, I think it's great. Awesome. Uh, you know, I love QR codes and how you can story yep. tell with the packaging, and this is a great thing. So it's cool that the state of New York is putting some of these, you know, just sort of nudging people in the right direction. So let's leave it there. Thank you very much, Raf. You're uh, you did quite a great job on your first episode. So this is the first of the three-part series. Check out the next two parts of this uh, series on the current state of sustainable packaging in the state of New York. We'll see you on part two. We are Contempo Packaging based in Providence, Rhode Island, and we're looking for phenomenal people to help us on our mission to make sustainable packaging the norm. So if you enjoy watching the Sustainable Packaging Show or you've seen any of what we do and you're interested in joining our team, Please either email jobs at contempopackaging.com or go to contempocard.com slash jobs. Luke, what kind of people are we looking for to join our team at Contempo Packaging? If you're passionate about sustainability like myself and hardworking, uh, we're looking to add you to the team and, and fight this good fight and bring sustainable packaging to the world. We like to have fun. We like to work hard. If that sounds like you, if you're based around Providence, Rhode Island, we would love to talk to you and see if this could be the true dream job for you. I know it is for us, and we're eager to hear from you. <laughs>